Welcome, everybody, to uh, this week's episode of the Innovative Schools podcast. Uh, my name is Robbie Lamb, and our guest this week is the wonderful Tracy Barry McGee. Tracy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Robbie. How are you? How are things going? I'm great. It's a, a Wellness Monday is what you call it, I believe. Is that right? Yes, it is. Wellness Monday. And it's a good day. It's a good day to be here. It is a good day to be here. So um, Tracy is going to be presenting a three-hour pre-conference session at our Innovative Schools Virtual Summit. Uh, her session is on August 6th. If you want any more information on how to attend uh, her pre-conference session or uh, the Virtual Summit overall, you can visit InnovativeSchoolSummit.com for more information on that. So as I mentioned, our guest today is Tracy Barry McGee. Um, Tracy founded the Sister Keeper Empowerment Center in St. Louis 12 years ago with the mission of inspiring and developing the mind, body, and spirit of young women. Tracy's a counselor, an author, a speaker, and a, a poet. Uh, she's got a lot going on and we're so glad she could be here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's really been a journey to, to continue to do the work um, and I have to continue to update my bio literally this is our 18th year now so i think when we started i know what, exactly where you got that information when we started working with uh innovative with accutrain it was 12 years ago now we're at 18 so it was what 8 12 18 so what six years six years later we're still here so yeah this is our 18th year robbie <laughs> So I wanted to have you on this week. Uh, last week we spoke with Robert Jackson. Um, I believe you know Robert. Yes, awesome. And Motivation. The, yes, yes, ma'am. And the, the theme of our conversation with Robert was um, how educators can relate to black and Latino males in their classrooms. And I wanted to have you on this week. Um, you work primarily with girls um, on issues of um, empowerment, um, self-assurance, self-image, um, all kinds of things like that. So that's going to be the topic of what we talk about today is how educators can um, sort of help girls develop mentally, um, sort, sort of have, have positive self-image um, in the face of all the negative stereotypes that are in culture and music and art. And that's going to be what we talk about today. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, I know you're very passionate about this line of work. You have a nonprofit that works in these areas. What drove you to want to work with, with young women in particular? Well, you know, um, first off, I'm a licensed therapist, and so um, I have this, this, this passion about working with women and girls. In my private practice, that's all that we serve. And it was, for me, um, going back to the fact that I dealt with issues of self-esteem growing up, I encountered uh, being bullied, and, um, and, and I had to realize that I needed to develop a tough skin, and I didn't always have the tools to do that. And then becoming a mother and seeing that my daughters were experiencing these issues. And, and, um, and I just said, you know what? It's really important that our girls see themselves and see ourselves in a positive light. So as a therapist, I wanted to have a platform where we could see each other um, from a, a, a wellness perspective where it's, it's prevention, it's intervention, and it's awareness. And so... We started doing our sister keeper circles literally in my basement um, with girls in the community because you've got to start at home first. And at the time, like I said, having two daughters at that time, dealing with some bullying issues, not being able to see themselves. I thought, you know what? We got to work with our girls in the community. And it went from community based 
to school-based, local, national, global, and it continued. Uh, but it definitely started because I had issues myself, and I had to overcome those. Awesome. And I was reading one of your books in preparation for this. Um, you've written several books, and one of them you cite a statistic. I want to make sure I get it right. Um, you said girl, you cite a statistic that says girls feel less confident entering, entering their junior, entering junior high than they do in elementary school. And they continue to feel less self-assured each uh, successive year. Yes. And so, and conversely, the, the statistic also cites boys kind of, they get more confident as they matriculate yes. through the school system. Girls, it seems like almost the inverse is true. And so some of these, uh, the way it manifests might be fairly obvious, but I know you have your feet on the ground. You work with girls um, several times a week. This issue of, you know, girls feeling less assured as they get older, what are some of the ways that those, that can manifest itself in a girl's life? Well, you know, some of it is, of course, when you're entering middle school, for young girls, your body's changing and you're really trying to define your voice. And um, it's important that you're active in sports and, 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 and see what teamwork looks like. But girls are very, um, you know, we look at each other and, and sometimes we're kind of mean. And we've all seen the shows, the mean girls, um, social media, where we um, can be very spiteful towards one another. And this is a time where girls are really trying to truly see themselves. And so um, this is why you see it during that middle school age, because this is when girls are really starting to like boys. And, um, and, and it's a huge issue. And so for me, I think it's important that we really start looking deep inside. Um, I'm always talking about girls journaling. As you know, all of my books are interactive. And I, I thought it, when I first started that I would work specifically with middle school girls because those numbers increase. But what we're finding is that social, um, emotional learning piece, that relational aggression piece. We need to start with our elementary school babies because it starts as early as preschool, Robbie, where girls start that you're not going to be my friend. You know, you're not invited to my birthday party. We see this personality factor show up very early on, and it, and it continues to peak from elementary, middle to high school. And you mentioned social emotional learning there. And another reason that I want, thought it would be timely to have you on now is obviously with, um, with schools having to shut down due to COVID and, you know, a lot of the, um, the conversations we're having as a country right now regarding race relations and George Floyd, Floyd and so on and so forth. Whenever we get back to school, whether that's virtually or in person, students are going to be coming to school, not just having not been in school for six, eight months, they're going to be coming to school with a whole new set of traumas, a whole new set of like emotional um, difficulties that a vast majority of which I would wager you know, over 90% of these children have had no access to mental health professionals during this time. Right, right. And a majority of their parents have not had that either. Right. And, you know, the more I'm thinking about this, the more I've sort of realized it doesn't matter if a teacher necessarily wants to talk about these issues or knows how to talk about these issues. We're going to have to be prepared to talk about them in some way, shape, or form, regardless of whether we want to or we're prepared to. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We need to be prepared because um, our kids have dealt with a lot of trauma. Our, as adults, we all have. We all mm -hmm. have. 
And this is a time um, from an education perspective. Um, a lot of the conferences and, and the, the we've been on Zooms this whole uh, couple of months talking about social justice and how education needs to shift and how important it is for us to have some courageous conversations. And this is why social emotional learning can't just be like an after school program. It's going to be something mm. that we have to incorporate with everyone. Um, it's not going to just be about the teachers. We have a very vulnerable population when you talk about our kids who are literally sitting in front of screens, just watching things over and over again. Uh, are they desensitized to it? Some of them are. Are they being numb to it? Some of them are. But then you have um, a group of kids that really want to do something and have a voice. And this is why we have to have platforms and, and un incorporate the social emotional learning piece, that, that wheel of looking at the complete child mm -hmm. and parent. So we all are going to have to come together. And so when you look at that social emotional wheel, you know, we're talking about self-awareness, self-management, responsible decision-making, social awareness, relation skills. We have to build on all of that. And oftentimes we're just not doing it when, when it comes to the kids. We're just allowing them to talk to one another and they don't have all the answers. And, you know, I don't know. I remember growing up in a society as a, a young woman where kids were to be seen and not heard. In today's society, we need to make sure that, you know, they understand that we do see you and we want to listen to you. You know, I talk about the love principle all the time and it's important that we listen to our children. Mm hmm. I'm wondering, like, as I stated, you know, I know you do a lot of one-on-one -on -one counseling. And in addition to a lot of the forces and the influences that are kind of working against young girls in society in general, like I said, music, magazines, TV, yes. movies, I mean, bombarded with it, even at, in the checkout line at the supermarket, you know, there's just all this um, information about this is what you should look like. This is how you, right. you should dress girls have to deal with all of that. I'm wondering in this current climate with, with COVID and maybe some of the, you know, the increased conversations about race, are you seeing any, an increase in any particular type of trauma or, or difficulties that girls are experiencing now that you think educators maybe should be aware of? Well, I know that we, um, we have to really be conscious about this. You know, um, one of the things that I do is, when I'm going in and doing professional development with different schools, I always want to do a girl assembly because I want to figure out what does that population look like? What are those girls going through? Because every school district looks different. But at the core, at the basis of it all, we're all girls. All the girls have a lot of similarities. And as you can see, all over the world, girls are doing TikToks. You know, um, they are I call them digital girls in the digital world. So we want to be conscious about how important it is for us to be in tune to social media because our girls, we will see an increase in cyberbullying. Um, anytime you get someone behind a screen where they can chat in a private space, um, all of our kids are going to be being virtual learners now. So mm -hmm. we're, we will have to be conscious because of what they see on television, because of what they see or hear on radio. Um, everybody wants to be the next Instagram famous girl. And so they do have um, models of negativity. So as educators and parents, we have to be in alignment and show them what it looks like to be positive and put out positive content. Um, I do a lot of video content. I use radio um, as a platform for our girls, and I have them create a lot of uh, 
public service announcements mm-hmm. to really tie them into their purpose. Because I believe that if we constantly allow them to express themselves um, in a positive way, then they'll use these platforms in a positive way. Um, whether it's writing, creating art, speaking, um, finding a way to create even a TikTok that's positive. People are always watching and our girls need to understand that that digital footprint, it sticks. Um, and and we have to be more conscious of that. So we are going to have to talk about what that etiquette looks like when we're on the screen. And yes, we will also have to look at what's happening behind the screen because everybody's in home at home now. Everybody's home environment does not look the same. You know, everybody does not do their homework at the kitchen table. Some kids are literally in their bedrooms um, and so much is happening. We don't know who all is in the home. They say that uh, some of the child abuse rates and as a therapist, the numbers are going down, but that's because we're not able to report it. And the numbers probably are increasing because our kids are not all, we have vulnerable populations. Everybody's not getting fed. You know, everybody, they don't have the resources and school was a safe space and it continues to be a safe space. So um, we'll have to be conscious of all of those, those issues when it comes to our girls and our boys, actually. Yeah, I know. I was doing some research on this over the weekend and the rates of, like you said, it's, it's hard to kind of measure um, domestic is. abuse rates and child abuse rates. Um, domestic abuse is up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I know we were speaking last week a little bit, just kind of in preparation for this. And, um, you know, one interesting thing um, that you said that, that I thought was very illuminating, you know, you mentioned how everyone's talking about COVID, everyone's talking about George Floyd, everyone's talking about these protests in the street. But some of these children, all that, they might be sort of cognizant and aware and concerned about all that. But some of these children are stuck in home environments that they don't need to be stuck in, stuck at home with. And um, like, as you just said, it used to be they could escape to school for a little while of safety, right? And now, you know, unfortunately, some of these children they're at home, their parents are at home, maybe some extended family members are at home. And right. that's a lot for a, a young child to have to deal with. It is, it is. And um, we also talked about that there are a lot of kids who the parents are still essential workers and the parents are not at home. So you have the concept of kids watching kids and mm-hmm. kids don't know how to be babysitters. Like parents don't even get a tool box of how mm-hmm. to be a parent. And so you're having kids that are maybe abusive uh, that may be bullying one another. Um, there are kids that aren't, the equity is not there when it comes to, if you have three to four kids in a house hold and they give all the kids Chromebooks, they don't have enough uh, hotspots and internet access. So you have kids that are fighting over things that should be a basic necessity that they have. And we have to remember that we are always dealing with a vulnerable, a vulnerable population that everybody just does not have the same tools. So that is going to be a struggle, um, as well as if you are the big sister of the house or big brother of the house, and you're told that you got to handle all of these things. We did a virtual camp this summer, and a lot of the girls um, were doing it from their phones. Some of them had internet, but in the midst of them doing it, they were also thinking about, I need to get a job because my parents are struggling right now. Mm-hmm. I'm babysitting my little sister because my mom and my dad is at work. Um, I got to stop and put my... My, I can't leave my picture up on the screen because behind me, the house is dirty and I need to make sure that it's clean because my mom said, before you tap into that classroom, 
the space behind you better be clean or I need to stop and fix lunch or, or something like that. So we just don't know all the things that our children are going through. But what we do need to be able to do is have enough grace and empathy, um, enough to, to, uh, to be aware of it and, and, and come up with uh, options for them to, to have self-paced learning. And I think that's what these Zooms and these virtual um, programs are doing. It's allowing us to look at the whole family and how we can all come together to make this uh, an easy transition. Yeah, that's great. And um, also just want to note real quick, I know we have some folks viewing us on Facebook. Um, if anybody has any questions for Tracy, feel free to just drop those in the comments and I'll, um, I'll pass them along to her. Um, you know, one thing that I really admire and respect about you, Tracy, is, you know, there's a lot of people out there who will talk about how bad the problems are and talk about how much we need to fix the problems. And you definitely address, you know, those very well. Fewer still are the people who actually set about dedicating their lives to solving the problems, right? And I really admire and respect that about you. You have your feet on the ground. You have poured your life into this kind of work. And um, you know, you just have a real passion for working with the children. So I want to kind of transition to, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, a lot of the, the problems that are going on currently and then just, you know, issues that confront girls specifically. And I want to kind of transition into some solutions to those. And I know one solution that you've created yourself and that you've started there in St. Louis and you've spread uh, nationally is your Sister Keeper program. So yes. I wanted to give you an opportunity. What exactly is Sister Keeper? So Sister Keeper is a nonprofit organization that focuses on building self-awareness, diversity, and leadership skills. Um, we do it um, with girls in our local and national and global communities, community-based as well as school-based. And so we have created culturally relevant materials that focus on elementary, middle, and high school girls. Um, in addition to that, I train staff to also use the curriculum. So I go out and do PD so that everybody understands the value of knowing who you are as a keeper. Um, our tagline is I define me because it's important that our girls define themselves. And it's spelled with an A instead of an ER mm -hmm. because um, we're all sisters. And often people ask like, why, did, why is it spelled with an A? Does it mean, is it just for African-American girls? Well, of course, at the core, I am an African-American girl. Um, I'm an African-American woman. But I know that we have more in common than we do different. In the society that we live in, we all have to come together. But we also have to realize and appreciate our differences. So we have a 12 week curriculums that that we integrate into the schools through social emotional learning, through um, mentoring wellness programs, as well as restorative justice, because we want to decrease the numbers when it comes to violence, when we see those issues with the girls. Um, making sure that that social emotional learning will is actively not just a conversation that we're actually mm -hmm. doing the work. And, um, you know, during the last couple of uh, years, we go into different schools and different schools actually purchase our curriculum and implement it um, as a circle that they do once a week. But due to the pandemic, we've had to shift. So we created an online university platforms where schools can now 
um, integrate the kids to a safe space where the girls are actually able to go online and get the, the product online, but also we offer a virtual component. And, you know, it's really been working out well because our girls normally, they're, they're, so, they're SEL girls, they're digital mm -hmm. girls, they're used to getting online. But we also need to see each other and have some courageous conversations in a safe space. And that's what we try to do with the Sister Keeper I Define Me movement. So it is global. Um, it's been happening now since uh, 2002. Um, I am in St. Louis, Missouri. So we have a variety of different districts. Um, I specifically am in the Ferguson Florissant School District. So when a lot of things happen here um, in Ferguson, we had to make sure that we had a safe space for our girls to talk about not just personal issues, but the social justice issues that not, it doesn't just impact boys, it impacts the girls, it impacts our entire community. And we realize that this is something that is now, of course, impacting the world. So we have to know that you have to be a keeper to yourself. So that's the sister keeper concept is that I'm not just a keeper to myself, but I am also a keeper to my local, national, and global community. But in the midst of that, academic excellence is important, um, self-awareness is important, and community engagement. So um, every girl that's a part of it, they get a band, they get a journal, they get t-shirts, they get all kind of products to build on self-efficacy, and they get to have a mentor that they connect with, because we all need someone to connect with. Mentoring is so important, and we see that there's a decrease in the relational aggression that happens, and uh, it's truly beneficial. So um, it is my purpose. I feel like it's why I am here and I'm going to continue to do the work because live, leaving a legacy, I've seen the benefits for myself in knowing that we can see content that looks like us and that we all can benefit from. And I know a key component of the Sister Keeper program is, you call them circles, which are groups of, forgive me if I get this wrong, how many girls are in a, in a circle typically? What, what so it, de it depends on if it is, um, so we, you know, we do college summits, we, mm -hmm. do, we do the assemblies, but when you actually do a circle, it depends on if it's a prevention or an intervention or awareness circle. So our community-based circles now, because it's global, we can have, it's virtual, we can have tons of girls. But if it's um, within a classroom setting, if it's intervention, we typically have 10 to 12 girls because as we said earlier, girls can be a little catty sometimes. And the more girls you have, some of the girls that are not as verbal, that maybe need to express themselves through our journaling, they may lose their voice. So we make sure that we have small groups of maybe like 10 to 15 girls. Mm -hmm. That's if it's an intervention group. If it's a school that has some problematic issues and the girls have dealt with some, some trauma. But if it's a prevention group, you can do up to like 20 girls, a classroom full of girls. But you need to make sure you just um, follow that curriculum so that every girl has an opportunity to use her voice. And I've at some of the innovative school summits that you've been at, I've, you know, you, you kind of demo what a circle looks like. So you'll call up, um, you know, six adults from the audience and you'll kind of sit them in a circle and there'll be some kind of a prompt for them to discuss you know, for like one minute a piece or something like that as a kind of small demonstration of what these look like. And even in that setting, you know, everybody gets a few minutes to share. We're all educators. We're all adults. Just a brief kind of glimpse into what a circle is actually like. It's extremely powerful. Um, yes. The, 
it's just amazing how powerful it can be for people to express kind of to have the floor to themselves for a certain amount of time, express their feelings, be vulnerable in front of somebody else. And then somebody else can pick up on their vulnerability and kind of share, Hey, I'm also kind of struggling with that. And it's really transformative. Uh, we don't necessarily have time today to, to show some videos that um, you have online, but if anybody is interested in really how transformational and how powerful these circles are, Go on YouTube, type, it, type in Sister Keeper in uh, Circles or Tracy Bear McGee. And yeah. to see these young girls sort of processing their traumas and their troubles and their thoughts and their dreams um, and their worries in a group setting, it's, I mean, it'll make you cry, honestly. It, it's so powerful. Uh, you know, one of the things that, thank you, thank you for that, um, Robbie. One of the things that I feel is so important is that we offer a safe space. You know, um, I grew up in, in a community where a lot of times the community that I grew up with, and it was a struggle, you know, I'm, I'm very open about talking about how my mom was a teen mom and I had to go to a school on the other side of town and my safe space was the library. And so um, I, I, I fell in love with poetry and journaling and, and writing out my feelings and my thoughts. And so when you come in a safe space with girls, and we call them like mentoring wellness circles, restorative justice circles, these girls need a space to talk through things. And so um, we use this, we call it our, our four rules, and it's the love principle. And we've talked about it before. It's listen, observe, validate, and empower. And, and, and so many times you're talking about a group of girls who tell you nobody wants to listen to me or my mom or my dad or people are constantly telling me what to do, but they're not listening to me. So to be in a space where everybody is tuned in and everybody has a voice to listen, that's social emotional learning. That's being self-aware of who you are and defining your voice. You know, the op opportunity to observe one another and look at our nonverbals. This is something that we really will be in tune with when we do our virtual learning, because we get to see is a person smiling, if there's someone that's in the room, if a person's not trying to, can't be their true self because there's someone in the room, we will have to really be in tune to, to what social distancing looks like. Because, you know, at first it may have been through the phone, but now we can't even be in the same space. So we really are going to have, have to observe everybody's nonverbals. And then, the validation. We go in the chat rooms. I see you. I hear you. Let me answer this question for you. We need to affirm one another and validate that we understand each other. And that's what those groups do. They affirm. And then we allow the girls to know that we all have to come together. And that decreases some of the violence in the schools that we see a big push out when it comes to, uh, especially with African-American girls. And, and there's documentaries out there that talks about that. Um, people looking at each other and judging me because of my hair or the clothes mm -hmm. I wear or, or my features. And so to be able to empower one another in a safe space, we all leave the room feeling like I've been heard. And that's at the core, isn't that what we all want? And so that's why it's transformational, not only for the girls, but even as educators, because educators need this space to, to deal with um, some of the issues and the mindfulness tools that we need in schools on a regular basis as well. And he touched on a little bit there how these circles and your program can really help alleviate a lot of the relational aggression, right? And mm -hmm. um, provide girls a healthy outlet for maybe their frustrations that if they're not addressed in a healthy way can manifest themselves in very destructive ways. Well, 
Yes, it will. And and you will definitely see it. Um, oftentimes I talk to educators about um, if you ever had to break up boys and girls brain development is totally different. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I love about when you go to the AccuTrain conferences, you get to see all these different experts talk about what it looks like to be able to not just look at the problems, but come up with solutions. But the brain development of a girl is very different from a boy. Boys might fight and say, okay, you won. It's over. It's a wrap. We're going to ruminate over this and I'm going to get you back again and I'm going to get you mm -hmm. again and again and again. And I'm going to use relational aggression to bring all of my friends in and we're going to alienate you and, and we're going to really um, make you feel pretty bad about it. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a time where we have to look at how do we overcome those issues um, because it's going to continue to increase and, and this is a way to do it. And I know you, um, I was wondering, just to kind of get a little bit better idea of what happens in these circles. I know you have several kind of prompts um, and ideas that you kind of cover in each circle, but just real quick, just so people watching can kind of get an idea of what happens in these circles. Can you maybe offer like a few, um, a few examples of what kind of prompts you might use? I know one of my favorites is on YouTube. I highly recommend anyone look it up. Um, is you, it was Valentine's day and you asked the girls to write a Valentine's day letter right. to themselves. And, um, so that's very, that one was very powerful. That's one that I know of, but what, what are some other examples of things that you kind of use in these circles? Well, um, so number one, we really have to get the girls to a space of self-love uh, because girls are, are very nurturing um, and we want them to understand what it looks like to be a whole girl and to truly see and love and appreciate themselves. So um, that was an activity that we did where we use a lot of bibliotherapy. So we will use music and we'll play a song. And, and when we play the song, we just have the girls to freestyle and write. But we may give them a word to, 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 um, to write about. And in that particular um, in, in instance, we use the word love. And we wanted each girl to talk about what love meant to them. And, um, and they really did get a, a clear understanding of how they perceive love and how easy it is to say, I love you to someone else. But how often do you look yourself in the mirror and say, I love you? Um, the other thing that we did is we do this uh, activity that we do every time called Let It Go, Let It Flow. And um, so we get each girl in the space to understand that we hold on to so much. And, and, and sometimes you just need permission when you're dealing with trauma to say, you know what, I'm going to let go. And we don't touch each other because, you know, sometimes if you're in a space of uh, being very vulnerable, if you touch me, I might just, you know, either hit you or I may break and cry. And I need to give myself permission to do that. So we go around in the circle. And we do a let go and a let flow. And, you know, I'm always using mindfulness activities. We, we do a lot of this content on our YouTube, YouTube page, our Instagram, um, iHeartRadio. But I give every girl an opportunity to let go some, of something negative that may have happened and then let flow something positive that may have happened. And if they say, I don't have a let go or I don't have a let flow, then we tell them you can just breathe and we all take a deep breath with them. But typically by the time we get around to the circle, then the girls are like, okay, I'm ready to let go or let flow. We also have our affirmation cards. I know you've seen each girl get an affirmation card and we focus on one thing that they want to affirm in themselves and we call them affirmation conversations. So we use our cards to be able to do um, affirmation conversations. We have what I wanna know cards that are awesome. And at the end of the day, 
the biggest piece is that every girl gets to write and journal. So, you know, um, all of our girls get journals. I know you've seen our journals. Mm-hmm. And the girls get to just journal out how they feel. And, and, and then they always have an option to share. And that's what we do. We provide that safe space. So we have a lot of tools that we use in our curriculum. It's very specific and detailed so you can see the outcomes. The pre and post surveys are there. And then we're using qualitative data because we do a lot of videotaping of the girls, but they're very used to it. And by the time that that starts, they're open because they want to share. They want their voices to be heard. And uh, I want to touch a little bit on, you know, specific strategies for for teachers. Um, You know, if anybody wants information on sort of how to incorporate um, your program kind of school-wide, you know, you do have these curriculums that I highly recommend uh, folks check out. And I'll let you share about how they can find that information here in a minute. Uh, but if there's like a classroom teacher listening and she, you know, they're, they're very, um, very much in agreement with what you're saying, but you know, they're a science teacher, they're a math teacher, they're an English teacher. Do you have any strategies or tips on, you know, ideas kind of related to what we've been talking about today, empowerment, um, self-perception, self-esteem, these kinds of things. Are there any strategies or tips that you would have for a classroom teacher to kind of bring some of these into their their normal classroom and right. rather than like an after school program type thing? Well, I know that for us, I, mindfulness tools are important and you can use them in any classroom setting. Um, every time I go and do professional development, each teacher like wants to know how can we incorporate this in our classroom? One of the things that I ask of all teachers is before you start off, especially right now with what's happening, start off with meditation or start off with just a simple affirmation. With our affirmation cards, as you know, Robbie, we have a pledge that all of our girls do. And um, I often say, for your classroom, each teacher's classroom has an energy that you feel when you walk in the room. So I would suggest that each teacher come up with a mission statement for their classroom or a hashtag or affirmation that they use. You know, our affirmation is, I define me. But if it's a science teacher, you know, they can, come up with one, you know, I always say I'm a soul flower sister. And what that means is I'm always sowing seeds so we all can grow. That's just a simple tagline that the teacher can come up with that all the kids know that when you step into this space, we all will grow. What is our hashtag? So that's one thing that they can do. The affirmations, they can always use those with our affirmation cards. Um, But always also having a space where kids know that it's, it's a safe space to ask questions. So the words, I always say feelings all throughout the space is important. So making sure that they post those positive words and affirmations are important. Um, but as long as the kids know what, what, what the format is in their space, you know how you would act at your grandmother's house, mm-hmm. how you act at home, and how you act when you're out on the playground. Each room has the energy and they have to make sure that they maintain what that consistency looks like. But for the most part, I would definitely say that all of the social emotional learning that we're pushing with the kids, it starts with the educators. So they have to take care of themselves first. Awesome. And um, I want to give you the opportunity to share about, you know, some of the resources that you mentioned earlier. But before we get to that, um, as I mentioned at the top, you are going to be presenting a three-hour pre-conference session at our um, Innovative Schools August Virtual Summit on Thursday, August 6th. So we've only had uh, just a few minutes of your time here today to kind of touch on some of the topics you're going to be covering, but the title of your pre-conference session is Girl Drama, 
best practices to help educators reduce relational aggression and cyberbullying. So I was wondering if real quick, um, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? If someone wants to attend your pre-conference session, what can they kind of expect to learn? What ideas will you be covering there? Well, definitely, we, we've got to talk about relational aggression. Uh, bullying is on a whole nother level now. Um, some, uh, one girl is always going to be left out. But how, if you literally say, I want to incorporate this in, in my school, I want to have some concrete tools that I can walk away and put in my toolkit and implement right away, you will receive that. Relational aggression is huge. Um, but the biggest piece now is we all are going to be dealing with some virtual and, um, and online platforms. So that means cyberbullying is going to go up. And uh, we have to be able to address that. And so we will definitely give you some solutions um, to, to be able to process and it's going to be interactive. And we'll be able to give you some products that if you want to take away um, and have us to come out and share it with you or you want to implement it right away in a virtual space, you'll be able to do that as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, we have to remember that. We're, we're all learning in a different space. And so this is a good way for us to take some tools, make it interactive and have our energy up so we can be ready for this new school year for our children. So yeah, if you got girls, it doesn't matter because we all have girls. We can use these tools with girls and boys, but this is specifically focusing on girl drama because yes, girl drama is real. Mm -hmm. And that cyberbullying, you know, that you mentioned, you know, it's something that we all need to have something we all needed to be aware of, you know, previously, but now almost especially for these school systems where they're going to be um, conducting school virtually, all bullying is going to be cyberbullying now, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's, um, if, if you don't, if you've not learned a lot about how to deal with uh, and mitigate cyberbullying, I highly recommend Tracy's session just in and of that, and not to mention all the great strategies you'll learn about, um, you know, relational aggression and, and empowerment and all that. So Tracy, if folks want to learn more about you and the work that you're doing, um, where would you recommend that they visit? They can go to our website. It's www.idefinememovement.com. So it's idefinememovement.com. Of course, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Tracy Barry McGee. Um, so you can find me anywhere. You can access me. I'm very, um, I, I'm, I'm very tech savvy. So I'm, I'm always responding and I'm available to do webinars. We have our online platform right now that literally our girls are ready to jump in. And so we want to show staff how to utilize it as well as the girls. So that's the I Define Me Girl University. And um, it's, it's really a, a great space, a great platform, and it's a safe space. And that's what for me is most important is that our girls have a safe space to grow. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope everybody just registers right now <laughs> so that um, we'll be ready to get together and decrease some of this girl drama. Yeah, and again, uh, that website is InnovativeSchoolsSummit.com, and um, you can go ahead and register and sign up for Tracy's free conference session if you want to, uh, to hear more. Tracy, thank you so much for your time today. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. You know, this, this time is going by really fast, so we'll be in August, what, next week. Mm -hmm. So stay connected. All right, Tracy, thank you so much for your time. Have a great re uh, rest of your day. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you.